owner's rep Richard Wodehouse is an expert at residential construction and project management. Living here in the Bay Area, he works all the way from San Francisco to Pebble Beach and Big Sur, and those are big homes and big markets. So we're delighted to have him and learn about what his craft is today. Welcome. Thank you for coming to the, the studio. Thank you. And I guess so those are pretty big markets. San Francisco, Pebble Beach. How did you get into that? Where do you, how do you land the, you know, that kind of territory? Um, I have a big project, uh, an $18 million project in Big Sur right now. And, uh, but most of my stuff is in Marin. And then, to be honest, I drove through Pebble Beach and I go, there's a lot of huge houses here. I bet a lot of people need help. Yeah. So I put that on my website. I haven't actively marketed it yet, but uh-huh. that's it. That's fun. So you do a lot of work in, in uh, Mill Valley. Sausalito, Tiburon, Mill Valley, Berkeley right now. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, so I, I've worked with one other uh, rep, and my client was really hap- happy. You know, what did, That's what, great. You know, what was the difference, what's the difference in responsibilities between the contractor, who also has some sort of responsibility to deliver things on time, and, and your responsibility? What's the, how do you like oh, the overlap? I get to whip those guys. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's, it's great, actually, because, you know, I used to be a contractor for, yeah. for 44 years, and I, yeah. I built all sorts of fancy homes and probably over 230 homes, big ones, mm-hmm. as well as some other really neat projects like steel buildings and, and horse barns and a horse arena mm-hmm. in Colorado. Um, but... What, what happens is you don't have, in, in a significant size construction project, you have a lot of money, you have a lot of experts pursuing their own interests, but you don't have a CEO or a CFO watching the whole thing and kind of corralling everybody and focusing their direction into one focused intent. Mm-hmm. So you have so many opportunities for things to go wrong. And, and as you hear, you know, most construction projects are either over budget or, or uh, schedule is blown or both, mostly both. Uh-huh. And, and we can avoid that by, by having a, a construction expert watching the whole thing and, and managing at a high level. Uh-huh. And, and, and the other big thing is giving advice to the owners to, to make them feel like they know what's going on and to make rational decisions. Because when, when you get a half million dollar change order, you're, as an owner, you tend to go, what the hell, somebody's ripping me off at this out of control. Yeah. But there could be really good reasons for it. Right. So there. You can so. walk them back off the ledge. Exactly. You know, that sounds like a big change order. I just had one 900,000. Don't tell the owner. I mean, yeah. <laughs> we won't. <laughs> Actually, he knows. I, 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 don't, I don't know why I said that. Though. I don't know who not to tell. Everybody knows already. But I, I suffered over that one for a couple of weeks. <laughs> I, I swear, you ever, I don't know if you've ever been around boats or anything, but I, I don't know where I saw this, but I saw a name of a boat. Like, maybe it was in San Francisco Bay, like, you know, in a little slip called change order. 
That's good. That's a good. One. That's a good one. Yeah. I have a small boat, and I'm I'm thinking there must be online like a great list of fun names, you know, because you see such great names sometimes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, uh, what about um interacting with uh, the architect, and you know, what's that kind of relationship and dynamic? Because, uh, yeah, that that one's a little bit strained at times, uh, especially at first, because I come in. Uh, hired to control the budget uh-huh. and you as a designer you want to pack the most of your great designs into it that you can uh-huh. so, so you're going to suggest and, and specify all the stuff that you think would be great mm-hmm. and I have to come in and say well you know that doesn't fit into the owner's budget so let's either get him to approve it or we can't do it and that that's you know I'm the negative guy mm-hmm. And that would be for for an architect. Same with an interior designer. Just depends on who's doing sort of interior architecture. I guess that's where that really plays in. Yeah, but uh, but I'll tell you there, there's three things that owners don't listen to me on. Uh-huh. One are interior designers like you. Yeah. <laughs> you guys get free reign. Whatever you yeah. want seems to go in there. From your um, mouth to God's ears. Is that how the saying goes? <laughs> yeah. The other yeah, ones yeah. are audiovisual guys. They can specify whatever they want, yeah. and the other one is fancy cars. You know? Yeah, nobody nobody questions the D- cost of a Porsche very much. Does anybody yeah. ever say, "Well, Richard, like you know, on a design, like, well, what do you think of this design decision?" They must, because you're like involved with them and, well, and asking questions. Uh, uh, yes, sometimes, but most of the time, I have to point it out. Like yesterday. Um, and I, and I have to tell the interior design ladies who are great, they do great designs and great drawings, but yesterday I had to tell the owner, look, there's this alcove built into concrete, uh, into a concrete wall that, that they've designed, that they say you requested, but I need you to know that A, it's about $120,000 to build it, B, it's extremely difficult, so I think a lot of things are gonna go wrong with it, with building it, and see it's exposed to the weather so it's going to get rained in and leaves blow in and then it's going to turn into a frog pond and that's the last time you'll ever sit in it and he Mm -hmm. goes "Mm, yeah good point let me tell my wife yeah so so that kind of stuff yeah um but they never ask you like geez uh well i guess you bring up the practicality part that's where you end up falling what's your what's your design taste because you everyone has one do you you know what do you like to see uh, I try not to like the house, big house I'm doing right now is, well, one of them is very contemporary, the other one is very uh, traditional. Yeah. Even to the point where the light switches are going to be those old-fashioned toggle switches. like The uh, punch? Not the push-button ones, but a little toggle like you would have seen in an old TR3 Triumph car, say, those hmm, okay. kind of things. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's the traditional one, or that's yeah, the yeah, traditional. <laughs> no, because that could be super hip. You know, it's like an old car. You give me a new idea. Well, okay, I get that. Can we write that down, Robbie? <laughs> I'll listen to it anyway later. It's fine. Um, Form, uh, Forms and Lomax is one of the manufacturers. What? How many big car barns do you build? You know, what's the typical size of of the garage that needs to house a collection? 
I, I haven't done any really, really obnoxiously huge ones. I, I've done a few six and eight car garage ones. But no. What have you done that's obnoxiously huge? Uh, you said the car, uh, um, horse, enclosed horse. Um, yeah, but that was very functional. That was yeah. that was in Colorado, and those those people really used it. Yeah, it was neat. It was really great to see them. And in Colorado, you need if you want to ride in the winter, you need a, a an enclosed structure. Was it fully enclosed? I mean, even so much it was heated. Not heated, but yes, fully enclosed. All right, so it was and out I, of the wind, even and the, the Yeah, and so solar kind of warmed it up. Yeah, and, uh, I tell you, if I. If there is such a thing as karma and reincarnation, I want to come back as a horse in Aspen. <laughs> they have heated barns, blankets. They get walked and brushed every day. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> totally. Up on Chalk Hill, you know, outside of Healdsburg in mm -hmm. Windsor. I don't remember what this winery is. Maybe like Chalk Hill Winery or something. I went to an event once and it was a monster facility. Like, what do you, what do you call the... The paddock that they use for training, uh, riding ring, riding ring, yeah. Uh -huh. I mean, the the largest one I've kind of seen, and then all enclosed. It's huge. I can imagine what maybe you built in. It was in Aspen. Actually, this one was outside of Telluride. Oh yeah, but I work in Aspen a lot too, and that's where the I saw the horses being really treated well. Mm -hmm. Oh, how much do you interact with? I guess maybe the permits are already. Uh, complete by the time you've started working on projects, but do you have to negotiate permits and city officials and Not inspectors? Well, I'd like to, frankly, because I think I could facilitate that also. Uh huh. Um, but n most often I get hired after that. Uh huh. Yeah. Do you get hired after the fact, after the contract has already started, or simultaneously? Un unfortunately, most of the time after. So, uh -huh. I, so I don't get to go back and, and you know, advise on the contracts. Same with architects, by the way. Uh, I, I would like to get involved early. Because uh -huh. I've seen so many things in 46 years, you mm -hmm. know, that I think we can avert. Mm -hmm. So let's uh, uh, tease that out. Like, what are, what are some... Well, I'm sure with the, the level of projects you're working on and the professional um, contractors and the teams that they have, they're so high level and, you know, producing great work. Not, I, not I all, by the way, but some, yeah, yeah, the average but, one. And the, you know, but I'm sure that at times something happens that's kind of like crazy you discover that you might have expected of a lower level or lower tier team. What are some of the things that you've exposed or found and... I don't have a good answer for that one for you right now. Like, maybe it'll come to me in a bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm sure that, uh, like I was on a project one not too long ago that, I don't know, just like there's just no post there, you know, or, oh, oh actually, I even saw a project one time that uh, the, the engineer forgot to put a post and it's clear that there's supposed to be that or a steel beam, you know, and it just totally got kind of missed. I mean, that's that's severe. For how long? Uh, probably three months, four months. Like, I think it was finished. Oh, really? Oh, and then the ceiling started caving in? They didn't... I think it, somebody... I didn't see it, but somebody else says it was already bowing. Well... It's pretty it, severe. Yeah, things like that, you know. In, that's crazy. But but I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that goes into these houses, you know. It's it's not not hard to miss something. Yeah, it's it's... 
certainly like you which said, which kind of leads me to the other topic which mm -hmm. is that i think we're way overbuilding now oh you know now most of the time we have to tear down a house to build a house mm -hmm. right it'll take like two days three days with a big excavator to demolish an old foundation mm -hmm. maybe two and you know maybe six ten wheeler truckloads to haul away the concrete uh-huh the stuff we're building now to replace that would take an act of congress to remove it you know wow, we yeah. know how slow they move yeah <laughs> uh i mean seriously it's it's everyone has to buy the way things are cover themselves so you have the building code that probably has a 40 percent safety factor right you have the structural engineer who doesn't want to take a risk right yes. so he's going to over design a certain percentage mm -hmm. you can guess what percent as much as me then you have um the architect who sometimes wants to do the same thing but not so much it, it mostly lies with structural civil engineers and and the codes mm -hmm. uh you can just imagine um you said you work in Tiburon and yes. uh, in some of those areas on a you know slight slope, so you're taking out a what two foot foundation and you put in an eight right right yeah that exactly. kind of thing exactly yeah where they used to and and you know these houses went through a couple of earthquakes, right. granted they didn't look great, oh my gosh, but the best story, so my wife and I renovate houses that we've moved into forever, and we've just kept you know moving along uh, with uh <laughs> with any hope. We will have stopped, and we have a pretty good one now. But oh, good. You never know. Um, but the first, is it, maybe, no, the second project, it was a, a Victorian on Pine and um, Pine and Webster. So it was a, it was a two-unit building. Probably was a single-family home at once at, at first, but it had been developed into a single-family. Um, I'll skip to the foundation part. We had to replace the uh, load-bearing wall down the middle of the Victorian. You know how that works, like the perimeter walls? Uh -huh. And that was probably brick. And then the, there's a, the, the kind of um, structural wall is really for the, the hallway, uh -huh. for the middle, like the main principal floor for dining, mm -hmm. front living room. And then it's just this one big wall that's six feet off of one of the perimeter walls. I can picture it. Okay. Yeah. Stairs, three feet, print the wall, and then dining. Okay. We go all the way to the bottom. There's a, you know, a six by eight as a beam that's holding up the basement flooring, this uh, third level, lower level. It sits on a brick. That beam sits on a brick with another brick stacked to it, loose on sand. <laughs> and there's like three of those uh -huh. holding up this whole house. Oath. And they yeah. went through um, the, eight, or the 1901, right? that earthquake and it went through the 89 earthquake right and you know we were there at an earthquake one time and it just sort of swayed like maybe because it was detached and uh yeah it was good enough then to your point was that a boring story i don't know i, thought, <laughs> I was fascinated i was like you've got to be kidding i'm bringing people over <laughs> look at the brick is that doing the work that's pretty extreme what you it got. is but oh. i can't imagine it's the first time anyone's ever seen that Probably not, not, not in the city anyway, for sure. And it was also like the old brick, uh, sorry, old square nails. Yeah, that was a neat, huh? That was kind of cool. Handmade. 
What are, um, have you done renovations where you're in some of these really old houses that have fascinated you? Like any examples of those square nails and other things you discover? You know, and it's interesting. And uh, when I first moved to Telluride, Colorado, I did a, what you'd call a Victorian there. And it was uh -huh. the first house in that region. I don't know about how broadly in terms of in the country, but it was definitely the first house in that whole region that had electricity. Uh -huh. So above the front door, there were two holes where the two wires came in. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you've ever heard this, but they used to think that electricity had to run in a straight line. <laughs> no, I've never heard that. <laughs> yeah. There's, uh, there's um, a ghost town kind of near Mammoth called, I think it's called Bodie, something like that, okay. where, where they went through all these efforts to run the lines in a straight line to get there because they thought that's what had to be done. But anyway, um, so we, we, this house had all sorts of really neat patterned wood floors, like with little squares of different color woods and stuff you'd never see now, and, uh -huh. and all sorts of interesting casework. And, and so we lifted the whole house up, built a whole new foundation under it, then lowered the house back down and rebuilt the whole interior and exterior to mimic what was there. But then this guy was, in those days, a really high-tech guy. This is um, back in, uh, geez, 1993, maybe? 90, yeah, right around there. Mm -hmm. And this house was as electronic as you could get in those days. You uh -huh. know, home automation, everything you could think of. So mm -hmm. it was just such an interesting thing because you had the first house that ever had electricity, and now it was fully automated. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And I don't know, the straight line thing, so does that mean they had to have 90 degree angles when they had to turn? I mean, or they just brought it in from the, you know, down the street and they it, terminated it into the house at the end of the block? I mean, yeah, there's, there's more research there to be done. But I do know about that ghost town, I tell you. Yeah. I, I, I was there, I don't know, 40 years ago. Do you think, do you like the preservationist mentality or do you like the new things that are going on or, you know? New. Yeah. You do? Yeah. 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 Just, um, what, you mean the new design, the new kind of uh, evolution, or do you mean mechanical, or what do you, what do you mean? Well, you know, we've learned so much over all these decades about de design and building, you know, mm -hmm. that we should take advantage of. Yeah, I'm, like, I, I keep trying to tease it out, too. Um, I saw a William Worcester house. Um, two, three, four, maybe four years ago, um, here in, and was in Presidio Heights, and it has these like, beautiful plinth blocks, and you almost never see that in most more contemporary houses. And that's like at the end of the uh, door trim, then it terminates and, and integrates with right, the, right, uh, yeah. In with um, the baseboards, I'm just, I know you know, but I thought maybe people didn't know. <laughs> okay. he's, like, he's shaking his head. Richard's like, I know what a flip flock is. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I never get to use things like that. It's like, oh, let's take that from, you know, the, <clears throat> the 50s or 60s or nine, you know, 1890s and do a modern version of it. I like, I like doing things like that, like pulling history forward. But you work repackaging in, it. But you work in the city, you know, that has a lot of, of that kind of neat old designs, right? Yeah, we get to see a lot, you know, too. That's yeah. pretty fascinating. Um, oh, if you, uh, 
What did I say already? What's your? You said you don't like to think about your particular particular taste. Uh, if you had a perfect style that you like, what do you like? Oh, contemporary, I would say. Yeah. What, what you'd call contemporary. Yeah. Just clean but, lines. And... But with overhangs. <laughs> what do you mean by a roof overhangs? Yeah. Yeah. It's like you know, God gave us overhangs so we could use them. And, so we and could. Sh- yeah. And I don't understand all these houses and buildings that face west, especially over water, like you know, the bay or the ocean that don't have any shading. So you you look at those people's windows and they're always covered all day long and closed so they can't ventilate, they can't look out. Oh, yeah. All because the sun is just beating it in, you know? Yeah. Doubled strength if it's bouncing off the water. Right. So if you just get a good overhang, yeah, that solves a lot of it? Yeah, I mean, that was one of the things we learned in green building 20 years ago, you mm-hmm. know, computer designed calculated overhangs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've got a house that has no overhangs, didn't even have um, eaves, didn't have uh, gutters. No eaves, no gutters. Oof. Asking for trouble. It was. How do we do a lot? Now we have gutters at least. Oh, good. This is your own house. Yeah. Oh, good. Yes, that's um, a good start. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um, <laughs> but you know, you, <laughs> we're talking we're talking water drainage right here. It's riveting stuff, people. <laughs> uh, okay, um, I was trying but, to ask. But yeah. you can, Jeff, you can always put in you know those really neat kind of metal overhangs you see on on like apartment buildings and condo buildings nowadays. Oh, that shade of windows yeah. even going down levels from the roof. You know. Yeah. Oh, you're just you know they're metalwork attached to the facade. Yeah. Exactly. That's a good idea. Those function well. That's a really good idea. Um, let's see. Oh yeah, I was thinking. I'm sure you've developed a good way of being politically correct with your um, owners, and then with the the um, like architects, you know, and the contractor. I'm sure you've got a lot of good catchphrases. I'll start one, and then you know you you can add some. We we say like when we're um, maybe a, des- uh, a design client has some of these great ideas and one of them doesn't quite match with what we think is a good vision. Yeah. Okay. I Instead of saying you know uh, we don't like that idea, uh, we say I think we can do better. You know, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you have some good politically correct phrases that I could learn from you? Oh. Uh... I guess I approach it from practical point of view every time. So I so I look at the use of it, mm-hmm. like this alcove I was telling you. Yeah, about, you know, yeah. it's it's not about the design for me. It's how hard it is to build and what the maintenance would be like. So yeah. I approach it from that side. So no, I don't have. <laughs> Sorry, <Right. laughs> thought I'd try. <laughs> thought I could gleam something. Um, what do you prefer to build in California or in Colorado? Ooh, they're both really good. Um, the challenge here is structural for earthquakes. The challenge over there is uh, freezing temperatures and what that does to, to the building process. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. They're both great. They're both great. Over there, we use a lot of stone. Mm-hmm. Almost every house has quite a bit of stone. On the facade? Yes. Right. Exterior, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Back side of the house, too, or do they just do it in the front? <laughs> Backside too. 
It's T111 on the back. Here's a design question for you. So so the last house I did in in Aspen um, had behind the vanity mirror in the master bath, it had a television that you could see Mm -hmm. through the mirror. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking, really, do we really need to watch CNN while we're brushing our teeth? I mean, is Mm -hmm. that... No, is what I say. Yeah, that's what I would have said. Yeah. This was a spec house, so maybe it was a gimmick. Yeah, I've seen that. I haven't seen that for eight years, eight, nine years. But I used to see it actually oh, in the spec was, houses, This too. was about nine, ten years ago. Was it? Yeah. yeah. It seemed like a good idea. And then, yeah, it's just, it's whatever. I wonder what I'm seeing right now. Oh, I know what I'm seeing. You know, trench drains and no shower curbs. Do, yeah, do right. you do all that? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's right. You know, that's interior architecture stuff. Uh, we're also seeing... This is like four or five years ago, I feel like we started trending back away from all the, even a contemporary home, where like it would just be the, as big of rooms as we could make. It's like almost a, the living room and the formal dining room and the informal family room and the kitchen were all just one open space. Yeah. But now we're seeing more compartmentalization. Oh, really? I mean, I feel like I've seen that for the last three or four years. I certainly, if I'm involved, that's what I advocate for. Oh, that's to like, interesting. To, to have more revelation, more discovery when you walk through a house. It's not, um, you know, open the front door and see the whole thing. Huh, interesting. Okay, yeah. And Colorado that? is definitely the great room. Well, the great room, yeah, which is, you know, family room, kitchen, informal eating. That's one, you know. But even when people expand it and try to get even more open. Does that make sense? Well, uh, but you first made sense. Like here, I can, I, I'm seeing what you said, you know, more separated dining rooms and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Okay. Even in the contemporary houses you're building? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. Oh yeah, I always like asking people this. Um, if you weren't doing this, what would you like to be doing? I should have been an environmental activist. Really? Yeah. Uh, what topic? In fact, I was bemoaning that on driving here today and looking at the smoke and smog and weather. Yeah, you were coming in a little, uh, a little hot on that topic, weren't you? <laughs> He's coming in hot, folks. He's got a, an axe to grind. All right, well, let's get you. Uh, um, no, I, so, um, what would you do? I, what would you do to help it? How would you help make a solution to the environmental problems? Well, you know, nowadays it's pretty well expanded so that you have to be an expert in fields. And, and there's lots of good, good people, you know, out there mm-hmm. promoting. Um, but, I, okay, I remember when I was 14 years old and I immigrated to this country from Chile. Uh-huh. And I didn't know freeways or, or billboards or any of that. Mm-hmm. And I remember... The first, one of the earlier billboards I saw driving down in Florida where we first landed, it said Coke, now in aluminum cans, or I think it even said disposable aluminum cans. Uh And even then I thought to myself, you know, now wait a minute, they've got to mine this stuff, they've got to make the can, and then you're going to throw it in a dump. Uh Uh-huh. So, and you know, I mean, environmentally it doesn't make sense as we know. Right. Um, So yeah, I should have followed that. But I don't know. Building is super challenging, and hopefully, I've done some good things. Yeah. And in San Diego, I did. I changed the landscape of San Diego residentially, and all the buildings I built there with some great architects. Uh-huh. 
I think Colorado had a big impact also in building some really nice buildings. And, and hopefully I introduced in all of these enough green building practices mm. that, you know, like I was one of the first guys, you know, Colorado wants to be rustic, you know, we talked about stone and, yeah. and, and uh, so I was one of the first guys to start importing used wood, used lumber, used beams, you know, they would call me up mm. from, and, and nowadays you can buy those mm. on, online, but um, I would get calls from like some outfit in Oregon that just demolished a big old lumber mill and they've got we've got these 80 foot long beams do you want them <laughs> well how do i get them here <laughs> first yeah. of all but anyway yeah, yeah 80 feet that's a, i know it's a tall huge, order huge beams yeah. yeah um that that was true by the way i did get that call huge. how did you ship them i didn't use them because i couldn't find that that just became too difficult but oh, yes. but you know the old uh, there used to be um a railroad trestle that crossed Great Salt Lake uh, that yeah. they they abandoned and then built an earth one next to it. Okay, and so that generated all sorts of cool redwood from the from above. The, all the what went underneath the ties and all the beams were redwood, and then the poles that went into the salty marsh were uh, dug fir. Uh huh. And I used a lot of that redwood. It's still for sale, actually. It's is that online. for like finished carpentry, or is that for exposed beams used for actual framing, like working framing? Well, redwood's not structural. Uh -huh. You know, it's not very good structurally. Not. It's not strong enough. Uh, so we used it for siding, exterior, and some interior ceilings, and some walls, and mm. kind of the the real rustic look. Well, yes and no. You know. Uh, it, 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 if you plane it, it's mm -hmm. actually pretty neat wood. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of kind of like looking at a fireplace. It's got mm -hmm. whites and reds, and mm -hmm. it's really cool. Wood. That's the old growth, or just any redwood, or, or any oh, more old growth. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. We took apart a, a water tank recently at a, pro at a house because uh, we had to replace it because it was a redwood tank. Uh -huh. They're just leaking. Uh -huh. It's not really doing its job anymore. It was it was, it was quaint, you know, but. Everyone <laughs> uh, kind of organizes to be hauled away and demolished in exchange for you can take the wood because I don't really. He was like, oh, I love that wood. I mean, anyways, anyway, it just wasn't actually old growth. It was done in the eighties. Uh, <laughs> too bad. Yeah, <laughs> that was too bad. We we're like, look at apps. So but it, but an interesting thing with that that Doug Fur mm -hmm. so. Yeah. So I started using the Doug fir beam, Douglas fir beams, the, the columns that went into the mm -hmm. salty marsh. Mm -hmm. What I found out actually on the first house we used them in is that after a while they keep exuding salt, but also they, oh. they start smelling like cat pee. Oh my God. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> so, that is terrible. So there's, you know, detriment to recycled products. Um, you said you, you changed the landscape of San Diego. I, have, I know a really great guy who's from San Diego. Um, what part of the, the, you know, what neighborhood or what area did you... Uh, <laughs> most, He's from San Diego. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Del Mar, uh, Encinitas, La Jolla, mostly La Jolla. Mm -hmm. I did a lot... Um, Two great architects, maybe you know of them. Rob Wellington Quigley is one. He's still really active. Mm. And uh, 
The other one was Ken Ronchetti, Ronchetti. Really clever designers, both of them. I aligned myself with them early on and kind of rode their coattails. And you were, were you doing the building or were you doing the, um, the management as an owner's rep? At that time, I was a builder. Yeah. Contract. Yeah. Owner's rep is kind of a new thing, you know? For it is. Yeah. yeah. Not, not too many people. It's a hard sell. It's is really it? a hard sell, frankly. Yeah. Most, in fact, I got a huge job two weeks ago. And I went to the first meeting, and then I, I got a, a message, an email the next morning to say, gee, we're so happy with everyone on the team that we don't think we need you. <laughs> ouch. <laughs> yeah, ouch. Um, I also saw, the, it was a small project, but I saw the owner's rep. Also, he kind of assembled the team. It's almost like he brought the contractor as well. Do you ever bring the contractor with you if you get I, sometimes, but not like I said earlier. Not most of the time, I get brought in later. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. The I've seen them actually. Now that I think about it, there was another person. I mean, there's I don't know building a house and you know, of any scale. I would call it like you know four thousand square feet and above, or at least at least five thousand square feet and above, is really hard to get your head around. I mean. Maybe even smaller than that, but I sometimes think that most of my Small, clients... Smaller than that, yeah. Yeah. Most of my clients are like, well, we remodeled our bathroom when we were in our last house. You know, we also mustered through a kitchen remodel in our you know, early 30s, you know, when we were in this condo. So they're like, well, we're going to remodel a house, you know? Right. It's, it's, a, it's a heroic effort. You know, the, the three and four thousand and, and up... Um, it's, you know, not just the building part, but, you know, from my perspective, just the, the finishes. You know, we're, we're trying to make it all look, you know, in style, in fashion, in line with the design vision, different, but tied together. You know, like each bathroom must be different, uh, but they can't be so different. Right. You know, it's a, it's a lot of moving parts. I'm sure you, I'm sure you agree. It, it is, and, and most... People are busy with their own lives. You know, yeah, they, yeah. they have a job, they have the babies, they have their own lives. They don't, they don't have the time, let alone the uh, background, to do this stuff. Yeah. And, and, you know, here's a pitch for me, though. We haven't talked about savings I can bring to the Oh, client. yeah, yeah. I, I'm convinced that I pay for myself within the first two, three months mm -hmm. of being hired. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, you know, I, I told you the example a, a little bit ago about that concrete alcove. Uh -huh. So okay, so that in the long run was going to cost 120 grand or so if they never use it, yeah. and I saved them from building that. I paid for myself already for the whole duration of the project, you know. Right. Yeah, you um, read on your website um, uh, a shorter construction time to like having somebody properly plan things out and be another aid. Yeah, yeah. I, I anticipate things that are coming up that that don't work. Uh, or that are not going to work, or that could be a problem, mm -hmm. because you know I have forty-four years of doing it. Yeah, it's what is it? Uh, it takes ten thousand hours. You know, have you heard that saying? Right, it takes ten thousand hours to be good at something. So, <laughs> well, no, I haven't heard that. No, the book, right? <laughs> yeah. What? Uh, outliers. Is that what it's called? Yeah. The book is called Outliers. Malcolm Gladwell, I just remembered. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> he, he should know. Yeah. But, um, so, I don't know. What, to do the math, you know, work it backwards. I wonder how long it takes. 
Well, we work 2,000 hours a year, right? Roughly. Okay. Yeah, so, so you got to do it for five years. That's not enough. No. No, that's not enough. Like 10 years, you're just starting to hit, hit your stride. Yeah, Probably. Yeah. And then you just... Maybe in the tech business, at five years is enough. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe some of our listeners do. But, um, okay, here, how about this? Uh, but, oh, oh, yeah, any other benefits? What are the other benefits that we maybe didn't cover from working with you as an owner's rep? Peace of mind. You, you know that, that there's an expert on your side watching the project and that the information you get from me is reliable and true. Mm-hmm. And you're not having to second guess change orders or why are things late or is anyone really looking out for my interests? I, that's me. Yeah. And maybe holding everyone's feet to the fire a little bit. Um, you know, yeah, that's that, not really fair to, that's on you, bud. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, like that, ha- that happens a lot. Um, well, as, a, as a homeowner who's busy, you know, it's kind of hard to have clarity whether it was or was not fair. Um, and yeah. it's emotional. Yeah, yeah. It's very emotional. Hey, you said you're from Chile. Came here at 14. Yeah, yeah. That's an exciting kind of story. What uh, what brought the family here? What was the poverty? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, how did how did um, how did you land? Was it a soft landing? Was it a skid? It was uh, a bumpy ride. It was very bumpy skid. Yeah. <laughs> I landed. Well, my mother brought us. My dad stayed in Chile. So last time I saw him, I was 13 years old. And um, the person that paid for us to come up was a very wealthy, distant relative that lived in Hawaii. Uh And he had a huge estate in the big island of Hawaii, one of those big ranches. Not the big, big one you think about, but King Ranch, but another one. But Mm. he he was very well off. He owned a lot of land in what's now Honolulu and stuff like that. So he paid for our tickets to come up, and he paid for us to stay at his place in, in Hawaii for two weeks. And he offered my mother a job and a house, and my mother, being a very devout Christian, said, no, this place is too decadent, people are almost naked, so we're going to go to New Jersey. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, moms. Uh, you're 13, 14 years old. I know, I could have been, been the next Jerry Lopez, but anyway. <laughs> Uh, so I ended up in just not far outside of Newark, New Jersey, and everybody was black or Italian, and mm-hmm. you know, love those guys, but I could hardly speak English, and I got the shit beat out of me all the time. And I, you know, by the end of the first year, I thought I got to fit in, so I started buying those iridescent clothes, you know, that change colors you wear. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The pointy black boots and the is this uh, jelly roll hair doing it. 60s, 60s, 65, yeah. 60s, yeah. in there. Trying to think of uh, the pointy boots era. <laughs> Not up on my pointy boots. Uh, so, and nobody, nobody gave me a clue, you know. Like, I, I, I would walk from our house to the uh, junior high school, which was a good 45-minute walk, and I would see these yellow buses pull up, and I go, man, those kids must have money, you know. They can afford to get on this bus. Well... Uh-huh. Next year, I find out that I could have walked a block the other direction and gotten on the bus. You know? Nobody told me that. <laughs> and I walked by this mobile gas station, you know, and I kept seeing this sign that said restrooms above a door. And I could imagine people sitting around in couches. Why would you wait and rest? You know? Yeah. I one time was in, I was 14. I went to, it was a family trip to England. 
and we were touring churches north of London somewhere, I don't know where, and um, I asked the nun, do you mind if I, may I use your restroom? And she said, oh honey, we don't have one of those, but feel free to sit down anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> well then, why do we call them water closets? That's even, you know, come on now. I don't know. It's a toilet, let's there get is, over it. Yeah, it's a loo. <laughs> Well, right. hey, so uh, what is your, so uh, what is your the favorite room in your house? This is what I ask all the guests to kind of close it up. Really? This, yeah. What's the favorite room in your house and why? Ooh, in my current house, living room, because that's where the sound system is and my desk, and I look at the view while I work. Yeah. So that's an easy one. What, uh, what music do you crank? You Bonnie Raitt, Van, Van Morrison, you know, 70s, 80s stuff. Yeah. Right. Um, do you ever go to Outside Lands? Any of those? Because there's some people that still tour through. I didn't even think of any of them. but Yeah, yeah. Um, in fact, not this week, but next weekend is um, at the top of Mount Tamapayas. So mm. It's a concert mm -hmm. in the open amphitheater there. It's an mm -hmm. all-day Saturday thing that benefits the mountain. So <laughs> who's playing there is... Um, uh, Phil Lesh and uh, Bobby of uh, Grateful Dead. Yeah. And uh, they're kind of the headliners now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> will, you get, will you be down there um, twirling with all the hippies? No, not Hippie quite. Hippie chicks? Not quite. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> all the flower chicks? You know? They would get, they, there are those, but they would get scared. Well, actually, no. You know, I go to Terrapin a lot and uh, there's, there's, it's interesting, the age groups, that, you know Terrapin Station owned by uh, Phil Lesh? Yeah, and, and, uh, in the valley. Yeah, yeah, really, really great stuff. Yeah. Actually, it's San Rafael, but um, it, the age groups are either in their 20s oh, or in their 60s, right. and not a whole lot in between. That's funny. Yeah. Nice. Well, hey, I want to thank you for coming and rapping with us. We love kind of getting inside uh, um, someone's world, and it's fun to hear about and and talk shop a little bit and um, I'm fascinated with the work you do and the work that kind of all we do uh, you know re-sculpting these houses or building them brand new because it's and it's an important part uh, we all live in homes we all like, kind of really exist there and spend so much time so I'm passionate about it and thanks for sharing your experience thank you thank you Jeff for the opportunity and hope we work together yeah pleasure thank you yeah.